My greatest time of fear and doubt happened during my freshman year of college. My parents had started going through a divorce, which rocked my world. I was asking questions I never asked before, which rocked my world too. I'm not sure what caused all that, but I questioned everything. And all of a sudden, everything that I thought was stable and certain and permanent and a given was now maybe only a probability or uncertain or shaky at best. And I doubted everything. I doubted God existed. I doubted the Bible was real. I doubted Christianity was real. I considered the possibility that this Jesus Christ was just a hoax. It was a dark six months for me. And guess what I was doing during those six months? I was a ministerial student and a summer staff worker at a summer camp. Now, when you go to summer camp, if you ever go there, don't be looking around thinking there's a bunch of potential atheists roaming around here. <laughs> That's Probably a rare exception that you would see someone working at a summer Bible camp thinking that maybe this stuff I'm saying isn't true, but that's exactly what I went through that summer. And during the day, I would be sharing Scripture, explaining the Gospel, pointing campers to Jesus, and I would lay my head down at night. And that seems to be when the fears and the doubts, you can kind of stave them off when you're busy enough to not think about it. But when the lights are low and the silence comes in, I would say, God, if you're even there, I hope this is real. Because I just don't know if it is. It was a really, really difficult time in my life. I call it a soul pain. I don't know if you've ever experienced soul pain. The only thing worse than a broken heart. And I don't think there's much more... The physical pain is, is rough, guys, but if you've had a broken heart, you know that's bigger. But a soul pain is something that cuts so deep that there is a despair, there's a despair about it that you can't just push away, that you almost feel like you can't remedy. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but I know everybody has had something before. Everybody in this room has had fears and doubts. We all have fears. We all have doubts. At some point in our life's journey, you're going to have them. And you may be thinking, well, this is one person that has it all together. No, no, no. You get them together one-on-one. You sit knee to knee, elbow to elbow with them, and you ask a few questions, and I think you'll find differently. We all have fears and doubts. And it's one of the reasons why we began this sermon series called Searching because there's this universal experience where we are searching for answers. And I believe that most people go through life going from storm to storm, problem to problem, crisis to crisis, just trying to navigate it. And that if you were to sum up life, it almost looks as if it's going from one difficult valley to another difficult valley. We're always exiting out of a valley or getting ready to go into another one and how do you navigate those and sometimes we navigate those with a compass that's not a good compass and we're just are groping we're groping in the darkness groping in the storm searching for answers 
And if that's you today, I'm glad you're here because that's what we have decided we need to do together starting last week and now this week and for two more weeks after is we want to find answers to life's biggest questions. And today's question is simply this, how do we deal with life's problems? And I use the word problems because problems sounds very innocuous and I hesitated to even use that word to be the word. But I think it's one of the best. We can call it storms. We could call it crises. We can call it difficulties. We can call it uh, valleys. Whatever terminology you want to use, the, the truth is, is that they're all problems, and we all have them. And when they come, we sometimes wonder what to do with them. And there's little ones, big ones, giant ones. We sometimes tend to rate the size of them. But the truth of the matter is, when the problems come, the search begins. How do you deal with this? What do I do next? How do I respond? What do I do with this that I'm facing? Well, the answer to life's problems, I'm going to warn you, may make you mad a little bit. We find the answer in Matthew 8. We're going to look at just four verses together, verses 23 through 27. What we're about to read is a really brief description of this historical event that happened between Jesus and and the 12 men that had left everything to follow him. Here's what it says in Matthew 8, 23. And when he, meaning Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Now, probably the most common takeaway from this passage is the power of Jesus, right? That he could speak to the sea and speak to the wind, and they obey him. But The one thing I've always struggled with 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 this passage, and maybe this is my oversensitive side a little bit, but when I read this, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like Jesus is being a little harsh. Don't you think? I mean, he basically, I don't know if Sherry were to tell me today, why are you scared, oh, you a little faith? I'd be slightly offended by that. It hurt me a little bit, hurt my feelings. Jesus, to me, it, it, it... There's a lot of things that we can say that we can read emotion into it, but as I read it, it could be that he said it with being a little hurt, which I tend to lean towards, but it could be that he said it with a little bit of frustration. It could be that he said it with great compassion. It was probably all those things, but as I see that, I'm like, well, from my standpoint, what did they do wrong? They followed you onto the boat. And when something bad happened, they came and found you. And you fixed it. Yay! What was bad about what happened? And yet, he says to them, why are you afraid? And one thing I've learned about Jesus is he teaches us more through the questions he asks than the statements he makes. I think it's good that we pause for a moment and say, why is he asking that? And I believe the reason he's asking that is because it should cause us to ask a follow-up question. Because apparently, 
By Jesus asking this question, this fear thing is a problem. So therefore, a follow-up question that we should be asking, upon hearing Jesus ask, why are you afraid? Our, our response, maybe, that's good for us, is why shouldn't I be afraid? Because apparently, there's a reason that I should not be afraid. There's a reason I should not be afraid. Now, I want to say this about what they were going through, and it applies to what you are going through or what you've been through or what you will go through. I don't see Jesus minimizing the storm that they went through. Like, this was just a little storm. By the way, there were some fishermen on that boat. Do you think they've seen some storms come up upon the Sea of Galilee in their day? That tells me this storm was different. And they freaked out. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. I have no idea. It doesn't go into all that detail. But to ask the question, why are you afraid? Their response would be, duh, did you see the waves? Did you see the storm? Did you see the raging sea? Did you see all of that happening around me? Why would we not be afraid? And that might be your response in your life right now. As you look around you and you see your circumstances that you've either been through, that you're going through, or what might be facing you on the horizon, maybe your response would be, well, yeah, of course I should be afraid. Of course I'm afraid. But pause for a moment and wrestle with the why shouldn't I be afraid? The answer to this is what he calls them. He calls them you of little faith. And that gives us the answer that might make you mad. The answer to life's problems is faith. And the reason this might make you mad is because where I'm from, we call that a pat answer. And as ministers, we tell people, when someone's going through something difficult, don't give them a pat answer. You're going through something difficult, and you're torn, and you're hurt, and you're depressed, or you're angry, or you're shocked, or you're struggling, and someone comes up to you and says, oh, you have little faith. Anybody feel like maybe slapping them? That is not what you want to hear in that moment, is it? Well, you just need more faith. You ain't got enough faith. That's your problem. I'll be praying for you. Moving on, you know. That's not what we want people to do when they encounter someone going through a difficult time in their life. And it, it's as if that's exactly what Jesus did is he gave them the pat answer, the pat. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. But Jesus don't get the answer wrong. He is exactly right on this one. He's exactly right that the answer to life's problems really, really is faith. It really is. And I want us to talk about what that actually looks like, okay? What does it look like to have faith? Well, I think the answer to that is why Jesus was so bummed in the first place. Have you thought about why that is? Deep down, what was it that bothered Jesus so much that he chastised them? What was he, what could possibly logically have caused him to be like, come on, guys, why are you scared? Here's what I believe. I believe the reason he was disappointed or hurt or frustrated is because, logically speaking, if they believed that he was who he said he was, if they really believed that, then hopefully somebody among those 12 men would have spoken up and said, 
Guys, guys, guys. The son of the living God is on the boat with us. We're good, duh. We're good. We're good. You know who I wish would have said that? Y'all know if y'all know the names of the disciples. Did you know there's a disciple named Bartholomew? I'd like to call him Bart. This could have been Bart's shining moment. He only gets listed. He didn't really, doesn't say anything about him. He just, he's one of the guys. But he could have had a moment where he said, guys, come on. Jesus is on the boat with us. We're good. We're good. We're going to be fine because Jesus is here with us. But no one said that. I don't know if anybody thought it. Probably not. And see, I want you to understand this. At the very core of what it means to be a Christian is that you must acknowledge and believe this and live this way. It means Christ in you. That's what it is to be a believer. It's what it is to be a Christian. It's what it is to be, as Todd's saying, a child of God. Colossians 1.27 says, and this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. If you have placed your trust in Jesus and you're going through something difficult and you're like, where is God in the midst of this? In you. That's where he is. But it takes faith to believe that, to actually believe that he's still there, to believe that no matter what I'm going through, whether it's grief from loss, whether it's that cancer diagnosis, physical disease, broken relationships, my own personal failures and regrets and remorses, anxiety, depression, the past of pain abuse or current abuse, financial hardship, whatever it is that you have endured, are enduring, or are about to endure, if you have Faith in Jesus, that means you believe he's there. He is present. And here's the thing I know, and the Bible shows us this, and if you've lived long enough and you've clung to Jesus through a storm, you know this is true. Jesus' presence can overwhelm any problem. Jesus' presence can overwhelm any problem. Believe that? Our problem isn't the storm. Believe it or not. That's what we look at, right? The problem isn't the storm. Your biggest problem isn't the problem. It's missing Jesus' presence in the midst of the problem. That's the problem. Believe you me, it's true. And there's so many examples of that in the Bible. I thought about when Peter stepped out of the boat and was walking on water. If you know that story, he actually walked on water. Peter, the disciple, not Jesus. But he began to sink the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and saw the storm and the waves around him. That's what we do. All of us are you of little faith, aren't we? We all are. But once we begin to realize that the answer to these problems that we're facing, that we're enduring, that we will one day face, is actually clinging to the very presence of Jesus, it changes everything. In fact, I'm more concerned about the, the future and the growth and the maturity and the, uh, of those who apparently have not, at least by their words, faced any problems. Because I'm here to tell you, a problem-free life is a faithless life. That's the silver lining 
in the clouds of the storm of our lives. When you go through anything difficult whatsoever, it is an opportunity for you to actually begin to live out faith. This thing we call faith is easy. Maybe right here in this very moment, sitting in a place where we sing songs of worship, sip on good coffee, people around us want to be here and We're all kind of tracking the same way of celebrating the presence of God for the most part. And it's easy then, but when the storms come up, when bad things happen, man, this is where faith really matters. This is where where the rubber meets the road. This is where, okay, the bell has rung and the match is on. Everything that we, we do Reading God's word and understanding it and worshiping here together is to prepare us for when that storm comes, what are we going to do? Are we going to actually believe? That's the question. Will we actually believe that Jesus is still there? Now, I know the problem is, and some of us say this and we acknowledge it and it's true, the problem is our feelings, isn't it? Because when you're in that boat and it's rocking back and forth and you're scared, we don't feel God's presence, do we? Just, just feel like he's gone. Or where is he, you know? But that's when, you have, that's, that's when you have to have faith. Faith is easy when you feel it. I feel he's there with me. Therefore, I believe he's with me. But what do you do when you don't feel he's there? That's when it's really faith. It's believing when you don't feel his presence. It's believing when it doesn't make sense. It's believing that's real faith, guys, and that's how we navigate through life's problems. Even when we don't feel it. One of the best metaphors I've ever heard is that of a, of a pilot. Much to my disbelief, I found out it's not like driving a car to fly a plane. <laughs> they got this big instrument panel that basically tells them that they're not nosediving to the ground and instead they're going horizontal. They, they at times wouldn't even know that if it weren't for their instrument panel. How high they are in the air, the altitude, the speed, all of that. They have to trust their instrument panel. I've seen some of those clouds outside those windows. How do you navigate? How do you know you're not going to miss another plane? It's all the instrument panel. And friends, when you're navigating life storms, you may not feel his presence. You may not know which direction you're going in. But you've got to trust your instrument panel that says... I will never leave you and nor forsake you. I'm here. If you've placed your trust in Jesus, words that say he lives in you, the hope of glory. We have to trust that and believe that. Because fear, there's a great song out called Fear is a Liar. Fear, he is a liar. Oh, he will steal your joy. He will whisper in your ear, he ain't here. Or you wouldn't be going through this. You caused this. God's not going to anything to do with you because of what you've done. He'll whisper these lies in your ear. That's when you got to look at your instrument panel and say, Ah, fear, get away. My God is with me. Whom then shall I fear? And here's what I know about Jesus. Mark this down. Mark this down. This is exactly what's going to happen. Because you're probably thinking, That's great, but it would be nice if. Jesus kind of spoke to the waves and said, be still, and they stopped. I would like that. That'd be nice. Here's what I believe always happens in the midst of our life's problems when we have faith in Jesus. Jesus will either fix the problem 
use the problem or stay with you through the problem. He'll do at least one of those. Sometimes he'll do two. Sometimes he'll do three. But he'll do at least one of those if you have faith in him. Mark it down. And for some of the stuff we're going through, the whole purpose of what we're going through is just so that we are with him and he's with us and we cling to each other through it. And that's the whole point of it all. Sometimes, and we celebrate this, he actually fixes the problem. A miracle might happen. Wisdom is given. Addiction is conquered. And sometimes it seems like it doesn't get fixed at all, but we look back on it just like I do those six months I went through of darkness my freshman year of college. I don't ever want to go through that again. And I would not prescribe anybody ever going through that. That was a soul pain. But I look back on it, and I would not be standing before you today if it were not for what I went through. Because faith grew out of those problems. My wife, Sherry, was a summer missionary working at a summer camp also one summer while we were in college. And uh, I never will forget her telling me about a, a young girl that she met at camp. And she said, Bill, this young camper girl is super wise for her age. Here's a quote from her. Some people come to God and say, God, I have a big problem. But I've learned to say, problem I have a big God. Now, if Twitter would have existed back in 1992, whenever that was quoted, we'd have tweeted that out, right? Mark it down. Wisdom from the mouths of babes. Friends, we have a next step to take that you may need to take today because of what you're enduring and going through right now that I want to present to you. That sounds so easy. You're going to think, what? Really? This is it? This is the answer to life's problems that I do this? Well, I'm going to give it to you. This is what we've been calling your next step Monday. When you wake up tomorrow morning and your feet hit the floor, let this be your next step. As you walk out these doors this morning, this afternoon, may this be your next step. Whenever you face a problem, immediately acknowledge the presence of Jesus. I don't care how big the problem is. I don't care how little the problem is. Anxious Worried about a meeting, not sure what you're going to do about whatever that is. Stressed, road rage, I don't care what it is. When the problem comes up, push the pause button and recognize Jesus is in that boat with you right now. That'll change how you handle a road rage, probably, right? Recognizing he is present in the midst of of that storm, in the midst of those circumstances that he is in you. That changes everything. This is what you can do every time you face a problem if you've placed your faith in Jesus. But let me pause on that for a moment. And there's one thing we got to take care of first, though, guys. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus as horrible as this sounds, Christ is not in you. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be real. Wouldn't you want to know that? He's not in that boat unless you begin to follow him, unless you place your faith in him. 
And the Bible says that if you just believe in him, that you repent and believe in him, that you say, okay, I'm done doing life my way. I'm inviting Jesus into my life, letting him take over my life because I believe he is the son of God. I believe he is the resurrected savior. If you believe that and you've never taken that step of faith right where you are this morning, you can call upon his name and say, Jesus, I give up my old life and I ask for new life with you. Come inside of me. Give me eternal life and purposeful life today. That's it. It's a step of faith. It's an ask away. Will you take that step? And if you have taken that step, acknowledge his presence. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're about to go through, he is in you. And friends, that's enough. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for proclaiming to us the power of your presence in our lives. Even though it's difficult to believe that your presence is real when we go through life storms. Father, that's where faith begins. And Father, in this very room, there are those who are going through some stuff and they needed to hear this today. And I just pray right now that you would help them to take whatever next step they need to take. And somebody in this room might need to take their very first step of faith, calling upon you and saying, Jesus, save me and come into my life. Or for those who have done that, just realizing they've been just going from problem to problem and never really clinging into you, believing that you're there, believing that you'll stay with them through it all. Father, I pray right now that you help I pray that even though somebody in this room can't feel you right now, help them to have bigger faith, to believe that you're there even though they don't feel it. Father, Lord, as we worship you, have your way with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.